Bennett Hughes has come to the antidote. It's good to have you here. Hey, Dave, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on. Now, I'm going to hit you up with the very same question that every guest to the antidote gets asked. How did music begin for you? Wow. Well, music began for me in stages, let's say. So I had the mother tells you you'll be taking piano lessons stage. Um, went and did piano lessons for a couple years, but it, it never stuck. I think I learned a couple songs and I learned to read music just a little bit, but it wasn't something that I was interested in as a young boy. I had dreams of becoming a, a wide receiver for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, so I wasn't <laughs> so much interested in the stage at that point. But when I got older, a young gentleman who would become my, my best friend for a number of years moved down the street. So we lived maybe a kilometer and a half away, and I used to um, go to his house and he played guitar. I thought, well, this is pretty cool. My mom had a guitar in college. And so I dug that guitar out of her closet, and I kind of opened it up as a kid, and I would just kind of strum on it and just kind of make noise, not really knowing what I was doing. But I always, I always loved that. Mm -hmm. When he moved down the street, I was 12 or 13, and that's when it really got started for me. We would do our best to learn these songs by... Um, CCR was a big band. Um, Green Day at the time, Dookie was out. So that was like a record that I remember like trying to figure out like how to play, you know, even a G chord and, and, and grabbing my brother and saying, hey, look, I, I learned this song. Uh, music, something clicked then and, and hasn't turned off since. Remember when you said that your brother thought you were crazy? Yeah. I'm half wondering if you really aren't crazy because here it is. Everyone wants to live in Prince Edward Island, yeah. but you bailed out of Canada and you <laughs> headed to the States. I did, but there was a girl, Dave, you see. And oh, that's a, a good reason. <laughs> there was a girl and mostly it was the Lord. Um, I was in my young, early 20s. I wasn't back in PEI. I'd already moved out of PEI. I think I was living in Halifax at the time with good buddies of mine. And, and we were in a band and, and I had become a Christian. And so that kind of full stop my whole life got really kind of turned up on its head. And I ended up taking an internship in New York City. And man, I have been in the States ever since. So I spent my childhood and my very, very early adulthood in Canada, you know, PEI mostly growing up, which was amazing, just like you said. Um, and then New Brunswick, and then lived in Halifax. Uh, and then I've been in the States for half of my life. You know, um, and I lived in New York City for the first, I think, six or eight years. And then I moved out to Pennsylvania here about eight years ago to run um, a recording studio and teach a, a music production class at a Bible college. Like, I miss PEI every day. And so when I get back there now, really in the summer times, I really, really appreciate it and love it so much. It's a big part of who I am. I did some digging and I went to the very first post on the Bennett Hughes Facebook page. So that was back in May of 2013. And it spoke <laughs> about the just-released Turn the Lights on EP. Wow! So, so now I guess I'm not going to make this easy for you. No, you're not. Uh, go for it. Okay, how about telling us about the song Aware? Oh my goodness. Now I have to go through the lyrics in my head. <laughs> okay, so Aware. Um, I'd moved to New York City probably three or four years before I did that record. And when I got into New York, 
I knew nobody in the recording industry. It was, it was brand new. I had no connections, which was different for me. When I lived in Canada, I knew everybody who was recording and uh, all the producers and, and studios and, and everything. So New York was new and, and I got to a place and I was just married um, and I realized quickly, I need a, a hobby again. Like I need to not just drive my wife crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was I'm very interested in, in a number of things. One was making guitars. And so I bought a book on, on making guitars. And I was also very interested in um, recording. So I also bought a book on recording. I read both of these books. Um, they were really informative, but I quickly realized this is going to be like a lifetime pursuit in each category. And I chose to go the recording route because I had these songs that I had written. And so I got started recording and I had one microphone and a one channel audio interface and a computer. And I probably recorded 30 songs, something like that. And then I got to a spot, you know, I'm really not that far along as a recording engineer, but I really want to push myself And to do that, I I think I should record an EP and I should release it. Even if sonically I don't like it, let me have strong songs. So I I put four or five songs on that EP and I I did it all in um, this basement and I recorded an EP down there and I I would get some some buddies. I'm like, hey, could you record drums? Or um, So they would do it and then send it to me and I began to mix everything together. And one of those songs was Aware and Aware lyrically if i go through it it's been a couple of years but if i think about it in my head it's really a song just as a reminder that the lord is aware of you and hasn't forgotten about you um the lord is able to fight for you like uh, he's not going to back down he's not intimidated by any of what you're bringing to the table and he's there for you and that's the place where i really got kick-started and and that record itself you know to this day, am I happy with, you know, everything and the way that it sounds? No, but, but did it push me to continue on and, and to make, uh, put out other singles and eventually release a full length record? Absolutely. And it also opened doors to record with other artists. It's not something that I really remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to use this as like a business card to try and, and book other artists to produce. But it was just kind of natural that came out of that because there's the other artists and they were kind of at the same spot where I was at at that time in my life and even as a recording engineer. So I got to work on other records with other artists um, and then do more songs and kind of build up and learn kind of uh, along the way. That's really cool that you brought that up, man, because that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was. Well, something that is current is the new era of Bennett Hughes. And one song that's come from that new era is Lost and Found. The song says, well, you can't believe everything you hear these days. Man, people just talking now for talking's sake. And I think that might even apply more so today than it even did when you released it in 2017. Yeah. Aren't lies coming from every direction? I feel like that is the lyrical theme for me for the past number of years. Even before I was releasing Christian music, I bet you if we dug into that, that would pop up because it's so difficult sometimes. You have to be so kind of aware that there may be an agenda on on either side and to get through all that noise and really determine what is truthful 
and what is not, because there is a lot of talk. And I love the the follow-up line to that lyric is some of what they're saying is true, because there is truth um, also happening at the same time. It's not all lies. There is truth. And some people are, are brave enough and aware enough to speak that truth. And others, it would really seem, especially now, I feel like sometimes it's a competition about who can yell the loudest. And how's your yelling coming along? I've got, <laughs> I've got two kids. <laughs> I'm working on it, Dave. Um, but it's something that I'm aware of, even in myself, of imperfection. And, and honestly, like even temper is something that I've, I've had to recognize. Like, okay, I'm, I can fly off quick. Um, Lord, help me with that. Help me to be at least level-headed and to think things through not just to react. And the biggest thing, like recently, is me trying to like remind myself, if my motive is ever to humiliate somebody else, then it's the wrong motive. And I read that out of a, it was a Martin Luther King Jr. sermon, and he was talking about loving his enemies. That, that hit me pretty hard. And so I try to capture that even in um, songwriting, because songwriting, you know, you have a chance to be pretty deliberate with your lyrics. If I've been doing any yelling, Dave, it's, it's in the lyrics of the music. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a couple minutes ago, you were talking about, you know, working as a music producer. Yeah. But really, doesn't that get in the way of making your own music? I mean, like, which is most important? Well, that is a great question. Um, Bruce Springsteen had a quote. He's, he's running the biggest scam in the world because they're paying him a fortune for something he would have done for free. <laughs> right. Well, Bruce and I are similar in a sense, except the paying the fortune part. I'm always trying to do it as an amateur in the sense of for the love of the music. I have never made any money off of my own music. However, I have made money producing and engineering, and that has become like a source of my livelihood as a profession. So it's really easy for me to split them. My music, I've tried to be diligent about making time just for the love of doing the music. Like this whole record that I'm getting ready to release, most of that record is done in the early hours of the morning, the same way I did that first EP. Um, because after that process, I'm going and I'm, I'm coming to work and I'm, I don't have a, a nine to five. It's different hours, it seems a lot, but... It is similar to anybody's nine to five. And it's not hard for me to split them at this point because one puts food on the table and the other I do because I just feel like a, I'm called to still. It's part of my purpose of being here, you know, is to write and produce and mix. And I feel like I can take a lot more chances with my own stuff too. I did some stuff on this newest record and even that song Lost and Found that I wouldn't do. It's not safe enough almost, to, to do on some of the other records that I'll work on, because that's somebody else's art, and I don't want to put too much of me in somebody else's art. With my own stuff, I can take chances. There's a lot more liberty to do some things that I probably wouldn't typically do. Well, you know, for that little amount of time that you're able to squeeze out of each day, it's pretty amazing, because you've put out quite a list of singles. Yeah. Now, one of those came out in 2018, Good news speaks of Christ's love when it says, Take it on faith because he already paid for your private relapses and public mistakes. 
Some may tell you otherwise, but he's good. Yeah. So I can get that. But as you mentioned, you haven't always been a Christian. Was it a big step to go into the Christian market? Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you a funny story. I remember I had just become a Christian. I was a young man, like I was in my early 20s. And I didn't grow up going to church. So it really was something very, it was a, it is a culture shift, let me tell you. Um, but I remember talking to some guy. I was, I was pretty young. I was pretty new to the faith. And I remember him saying, oh, man, you're going to write Christian music. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be huge. He's like, it's so easy. I'm just like a naive. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. It is so difficult. There are so many doors that are closed, it seems. Um, it probably deters you, even if you don't want to say it. I'm going to say it doesn't really deter me, but it probably has. But it can be difficult because it's not an easy market to navigate, even though it's a really large and substantial market. So kind of like early on, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to stay true to what this particular genre. And I'm not even, it's like a, my stuff is, it's Christian rock. It's definitively has a gospel message, but it doesn't easily fit anywhere because really, I think because probably the, the styles I grew up listening to, like I was really into music from the 1960s and the, and the late 90s, early 2000s. So where does that fit? Sometimes it can be difficult, man. But I, you know, I still want to press on and press through. Well, you know, I understand that. And I guess I hate to say this, but the Christian music machine seems to be pushing safe songs lately. You know, these are all the ones that don't have challenging lyrics and where the music really isn't very creative. I think a lot of it is just like kind of what you you hit on it. It's a sound and it goes through phases. Sometimes I'll go in and I'll, I'll look at who's producing the records. I'm like, oh, why does this sound so much like this? And then you look kind of behind the curtain and you're like, oh, it's because that's these dudes. They're producing all the saints. <laughs> Everyone's using them. And you're like, okay, I, I get it. And that's the sound. I think it's a, it's a genre and there is stuff out there that's a little different. So my stuff is a little different. Um, I get that. Just by circumstances and, and working at a college, I'm constantly surrounded by like musicians and they stay the same age because... I just keep getting older. <laughs> it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah. And um, they just like, hey, have you heard of this band? And I'm like, have you heard of this band? Have you heard of this band? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I get new like um, music updates about the, the hit bands like every year. So I think they're trying to keep me young a little bit. And some of the bands are really good. And some of the bands I'm like, ah, nah, man, there's a better version of this. You should go listen to this band. This is what you're really looking for. A little bit earlier, you mentioned about working on a new album, and it's called Kickton. Yeah. I don't get the name. What in the world does that mean? Now, Kickton, I'm pretty sure, well, I'm almost pretty sure that it's an expression from where I grew up in PEI, and it means a lot. And we used to say that a lot, at least I, unless I dreamed this up in my head, and that's possible. But in my mind, I've been saying Kickton for years. It's the whole record really centers like that's that song number five song is kicked on. It's the first one I released to me. Song number five is always like the apex of the record. That's where it belongs. Um, whatever your apex song is, I would slate it at number five. Number two is your strongest, catchiest, 
number one is probably your your first maybe release that you're going to try and, and get out there. But number five should have all the meat. And that is Kick Ton. It's a song about being, hey, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of distractions that we got to fight through. But if you stop and you think and you use logic, there is just a lot of evidence that points towards Christ. That has been my experience. And the more I dig into that evidence, the more I dig into that thought process, like there is a kick ton of evidence. So by the end of that song, I'm screaming. It packs a kick ton of evidence. It's kind of buried a little bit in the background. Um, but that is the crux of the whole record. So everything kind of pointing back to that song um, in that moment in the record. That's why I ended up naming the record Kick Ton and, and putting it at number five. Now, I do realize that the song is important, but let's get into something else. Have you thought about giving up music and you can create a Prince Edward Island dictionary? Because <laughs> Newfoundland's got their own dictionary. You do can they? do this. Oh, I mean, I would have to go back and study quite hard because the further east you get on the island or the further west you get on the island like the diction changes dramatically and half the time i don't know what the heck is going on like we're well, in the middle of a conversation and i know there's fish slang going out and i'm just trying to like okay i'm trying to catch everything so pei needs one they do need one <laughs> let's get into something that's found on kicked on it has the verse it's wild what you're selling me. I'm blind just believing it. That ounce of truth is twisted. This one looks more like fiction. Yeah. Now, because earlier this year, you posted the album would be released this fall. Now it's scheduled for 2023. So yeah. that line sounds like maybe it was fiction. So what was the holdup with the release? The holdup with the release was the second song, Fire. The record is finished. So um, I guess it was the fourth release, but it would be song number two on the record. Nobody knows the order of the songs except for me. So and you now. So mm -hmm. you've at least got a part of the puzzle. Should I perish? And you can inform whoever has to handle the release. <laughs> at least I know some of the song orders. Um, the holdup on the release of the entire record was actually a single that got picked up by... Um, um, a radio station here, a really cool program here in Pennsylvania. Um, they picked it up, and then I had another radio station pick it up recently. And so I, I said, you know what, let me ha let fire have its moment and see kind of what's going to happen with that. And then my plan is, after the new year, the, the next release is the record. Unless I'm not telling the truth right now, then the next release is another single. But my plan is the next release... I've done four singles as an independent artist. You're just trying to get a little bit of traction. Um, but I feel like I've been wanting to put out this record since 2021. Okay. We've got to get into the song fire. Cool. Now, from what I've understood is that most of your music is all done by you alone. Yeah. But you hired a professional for fire. So what can you tell us about your match igniter? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, who, who's on this record? It's my son. <laughs> so any song named Fire needs to have a little bit of fire. I think a lot of the fire songs, because there are a few of them, what they're missing a lot of the time 
is that dramatic match lighting. So that was very purposeful. He is actually on so many of my songs. Like when I say so many, I mean like so many. So even for the, the music I produce for others, I sneak him in on songs all the time. I have him and I have an English bulldog who's defying the laws of time is 10 years old. He's snoring on a lot of songs, but my son Jackson is either singing or doing something. So I'm always trying to capture him or my other kid, just even in the, in the background. Um, so he lights a book of matches, but he lights it like I had him do it like five or six times and scraping the matches a little bit. And what that does is it really, like you said, gives the finishing final professional touch to this song that it was lacking before the epic fire lighting. And how well paid is he? Very poorly. Don't tell him that. <laughs> but but we do have college coming up in a number of years, so he will be compensated quite well. <laughs> <laughs> You've spoken about the writing process. You know, I know one band that they can write an entire album in one week. Believe it, yep. But that doesn't work that way for you. I think it could. I've challenged myself. I'm like, okay... I'm going to do a song, I'm going to write it, I'm going to record it, I'm going to mix it and master it in one day, it's done. Because I've read stories and I've read interviews, and some of my favorite producers just work so quickly. And so I've done that, and there's a song out there called um, Who Are You, Who Am I? And that's a good example of a one-day Ben Hughes production. But for me, with this record, like you said, it took a little bit longer, really because I'm not able, at this point, to put you know, 14 hours in a day. I'm working with the time that I, that I have to work with. The writing process, really, since I became a Christian, I have a wealth of material to work with. I have yet to feel stuck on writing. And so it's not that the material couldn't come quicker. It's just the time that you want to take for each song and then splitting that time up over really... A lot of times it seems like the course of a month or so. Mm -hmm. And that's just the kind of the flow that this record has taken. Well, let's talk about the album itself. And I guess if you put me on the spot, I'd probably call Kickton an alt-rock album. Yeah. But there's a couple tracks that really don't fit that style, like Berserk. <laughs> you know, yeah. here's the funny part is when I saw the title, I expected this to be the loudest song. <laughs> but it's yeah. actually pretty quiet and it's personal. Yeah. Part of one verse says this whole year, well, it's been a mess. Testing my patience, testing my love, testing my resolve. Yeah. Was this pandemic related? 100%. This whole record is pandemic related. But this song in particular, I pictured someone getting the record and getting through the record and then having an idea about kind of what I am stylistically. And I thought it was important to include something very acoustic um, and very natural and organic because that's a big part of what I do. And like, I really enjoy doing very acoustic earthy things as well. So I have this one side, I could sit down and just write rock music all day and just, this is great. Then there is another side that I really do enjoy. Like it's not country, but it's folk, it's rock, it's alternative. It's definitely a little bit more chill there's that kind of side of me. And I thought, man, that's really important. But I wanted to introduce that side. So later on, 
when I do some more acoustic things or release them, it's not so foreign. So that was very purposeful. That song itself in the record, that year was a mess and that time was a mess. Um, there's this other line in that track. It says, um, life is a train. And then it's like a full stop. It's like, life is a train. Like, and I'm starting on that thought. And, and I say, no, no, man, life is a church until you get to the chorus that you've never heard. And you just hum along till you figure it out. And then you sing real good. And so that was another one of those lines just kind of based off that time is, you know what? This is difficult and I don't really know what I'm doing. My wife got really sick during the pandemic, mm. super sick. So she had long, long COVID, they call it. Like she has a hard time getting better when she gets sick anyway, but this was really difficult. It had ended up hitting her around Christmas time, like two years in a row, really hard. Mm. Um, she recovered and we're grateful for that, but it was really tough on her. And it was, then it was tough just for the kids and um, myself too, because it was different and she was so sick. So that song, that whole record really kind of captures that moment in time, which was such an odd moment in time. Like I was talking to my son, he's 13 just the other day. And I said, Hey, one day, when you're 40 and he's like, yeah, and you're like a hundred. I'm like, dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> watch it. Yeah. yeah watch it. Uh, I'm like, when you're 40 and I'm 67 or something, I'm like, we need to talk about this. We need to like reflect back. Cause we talk about it, but I'm like, what in the world just happened? And it's still like happening and, and maybe not as much, but like, my goodness, man. So yeah, that song, I wanted it to be on there for a couple of reasons. And I find like sometimes the message gets lost in the rock music and it's easier to listen to in the folk stuff mm -hmm. um, or it's easier to decipher maybe but in the folk stuff for some, it will be easier to digest. You've already mentioned <laughs> that you're a great guy and you provided me with the entire Kickton album. I did. And I want to pull in one that hasn't yet been released. Cool. Courage. I love how the song shifts into this huge wall of sound. Yeah. I mean, musically, it's really incredibly powerful. But now what about it lyrically? What pushed you to write it? I wrote that song when I was out for a run. Um, and I think I wrote most of it while I was running. I think the second verse probably sets it up. Just that line, like running in vain, trying to catch that kid. You know, I'm the middle of my life right now. And it's just really the thought of not getting trapped by your own thoughts and not getting trapped kind of just in, um, I guess, kind of like living up to, to standards that just really don't even matter. But whose standards are those? Yours or society? Oh, both. The running is good for me because it kind of balances me a little bit get some some of that energy out mm -hmm. so that first line like sweat drips out thoughts pour in like when i go for a run i wish i could say that i'm mentally like super calm but usually i'm out there and sometimes i'm working through things and so that's that's really that first line that's me welcome to my life and, and i'm sure many many others as well like i'm out here running but my mind is like racing and then there's a, a line a couple more down, like I spent too much time regretting what I'm not. 
and it's robbing me blind of every gift he bought, so the, so the Lord. And I think these are thoughts that are really quite natural for someone who's coming up on like the middle part of their life. You know, you regret the mistakes that you made. You regret the decisions you didn't make. And you regret the mis- decisions maybe you made. And then my realization, um, really, as I walk more and more with the Lord, is it's a trick to kind of capture you and really keep you in that moment of frustration and really rob you of the life and the joy that we have knowing Christ as a Savior. It's such a simple but yet so effective, just as a, like a barrier. And I think it affects us, it affected me, like even in my family, like if I'm carrying all this stuff around, like it can be hard on the family. So I need to like kind of wake up and realize, okay, I need to kind of step through this and not live in this spot, not just stay here. You know, I need to take courage and ask for help. And, and my help comes from the Lord. I wrote this song really as like a reminder to myself. And it's these big like drop C guitars. Like it's like you're meant to anyway, since the frustration in the drums and in the guitars and in um, these background vocals that my buddy Zach did. I'm encouraging people the same way that I'm encouraging myself to get up and choose to live and choose to call for help. For me, that help comes from the Lord. And you do. You sum that all up on the one line, call on the higher power. Yeah. Sometimes courage looks like getting up and choosing to live. Yeah. So you're really talking about your life. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, Bennett, I got to say that I absolutely love the Kicked On album. Thank you. And thanks for sharing it with The Antidote. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really been an honor to be here and a, a real great privilege to, to talk to you about the record. 